as you rightly put, sideways rain, which really just gets everything wet. But it was it was kind of a nice way also to start the new year, um, you know, California. Whenever California gets rain, it's a good thing, I'd say, um, even though sometimes it causes all sorts of issues uh, with, with mud slides and, and, and whatnot. But a little bit of rain is, is definitely a great way to start the new year. I'm doing great on my end. I've been quite busy. Uh, rang in 2019 as I usually ring in the new years, doing some uh, introspection and reflection work, uh, blessing work, clearing out the bad, doing road opening work. So cleansing and road opening have been kind of done over a series of several days. I had prepped well in advance, um, as I mentioned before, so I was ready to, to do the work. Um, and we're just wrapping them, uh, wrapping stuff up now. And I know you're like, oh, well, it's now <laughs> six days past the new year. Um, but I actually continue my, my uh, kind of road opening work for the whole first week of of the year and so it's been it's been kind of nice the house smells lovely everything has like a wonderful uplifting vibe and uh here's to hoping uh 2019 will be a a better year than 2018 was so that's the energy we're bringing into this new year setting 2018 back putting it away and hoping for a better year so that's what i've been doing just road opening work uh both on behalf of myself and my clients well, that's the good work of a root worker, the good, good mm. work. <laughs> and speaking of road opener, we had some walk-in clients today, and they waylaid me while I was making crystals. And the first thing they pulled off the shelf, this woman said, this is speaking to me, and I don't know what it was. And it was a little amuleto mm. from Mexico for El mm. a little, um, ah. A little road opener, uh, you know, who knows what was in it. Could have been something good. Could have been cotton batting. You know, we buy them out of Mexico. But it was really cute, made with um, half red and half um, black with little cowrie shells on it, little fake coin on mm-hmm. it. It was a damn cute little amulet. And, um, and she said it spoke to me, and I told, started told her what Alagua was and about opening the roads for the new year. And she was like, that's it. And she bought it. She never. She had no <laughs> idea. It was just one of those must-have-it because it opens the roads. I love that. Uh, the new year allows us all of those opportunities, you know. Uh, do what we do what we didn't do, do what we're going to do. Yeah. So, well, without any further ado, um, and I've been hearing her talking in the background, so we might as well introduce her to the public here. Uh, we have our, our guest, uh, Susan Barnes, and welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you, Ms. Catton. Thank you, um, Contraman Ali, and Welcome. I really so appreciate being asked back. It's, it's quite an honor. Thank you very yeah. much. Well, for those of you who don't know her, uh, Susan is a member of AIR, and um, and she is a um, longtime friend. Um, before we get into the actual panel discussion, tell us what you've been doing lately. What are you up to? That's interesting you asked me that, and I knew you were going to ask because I'm doing something completely different. I used to be an artist when I was younger. My mother was an an artist, and I always thought, oh, gosh, I could never be as good as she is, you know, because she was a really amazing abstract artist. And I went through some paintings that I had done when I was a kid, and I became reunited with a friend of mine who just started painting on her own. And she's a fabulous painter and she's self-taught and 
and she's also a uh, a shaman. And she and I just started talking, and we cooked up this idea. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to make oracle cards. And she said, so have I. So she sent me some of her oracle cards, and she said, tell me the meanings. And I told her exactly the meaning for every card. And she goes, that is it to a T. So we are on... We are embarking on a collaboration, and um, she's a brilliant woman. She's a, a literary genius. You know, she's an artist. She's a potter. Uh, she's a wonderful uh, friend. She's from Iowa, and very, very uh, introverted, very quiet, but very, very funny. You know, one of, one of those people, very sarcastic and funny. So we're going to embark on this, and um, we've already got half of the cards created and we have her meaning and then my meaning because I wanted to I wanted it to be fair you know but we're basically have the same meanings but anyway it's uh it's interesting and they're quite colorful we haven't decided on a um, theme yet we're kind of moseying towards shamanism but um it's it's an earthy abstract type of oracle Wow, that's really neat. Yeah. What a great new thing for you. That's yeah. wonderful. And I love it. You know, I mean, there's uh, there's no financial reward in it. And the thing that I've learned in my life is I need to get over that. You know, that's been one of my lessons is to just, you know, forget about material success, forget about success, forget about perfectionism, and do what I love. And I realize I really mm. love doing this. And I'm, yeah, I'm super happy doing it, too. So I've had a great time doing this. Wow. That's <laughs> wonderful. Um, Thank you for asking. I'm I'm so, well, no, I'm always so interested, um, uh, you know, uh, in the other gifts, talents, and skills that people I know through their divination or root work skills and talents and gifts, maybe. There are people... Um, you know, who do all kinds of other thing. You know, um mm-hmm. it's just a it's just amazing to me. But artistry is a word that I emphasize a lot. In doing root work and in doing readings, there's an artistry. Um mm-hmm. but you know, there are members of air whose other jobs have included everything from being um financial planners to dental hygienists mm-hmm. to um stage magicians to painting contractors you know what i'm saying it's like we mm-hmm. we come from a variety <laughs> of worlds and we also have a variety of of interests so this is i, mm-hmm. I this is a part of you I've always known, I'm going to say this very frankly, I've always known how beautiful you are. I always know how beautifully you dress, but I never knew you were an artist. Thank, thank I thought you were just an artist of yourself. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Mm. You, yes, you always look so, well, beautiful. And you, you, you present yourself as a work of art. You are a work of art. But I didn't know that you made works of art. So this is great. <laughs> thank thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get to our topic. And our topic today is an unusual one. And it is about mm-hmm. actually what we, you were just talking about, being a writer, being a publisher, mm-hmm. 
being an author, you've published a number of books, as have I, Mm -hmm. and um, Ali has also published. Um, Mm -hmm. What does it take and what does it uh, require in the realm of study to publish a book on spirituality, magic, uh, religion, new thought, or any of these things, or to create a tarot deck or an oracle card deck, what does it take? I'm going to, before I turn you loose on this, because I know you came prepared with a lot of good information, I'm going to say Mm -hmm. that um, everybody's path is different. There are many Mm -hmm. roads for self-publication, and there are many roads to um, have your work published by another publishing company, and they will then handle it, you know, all of the production for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm very willing to share what I know about those things. But the first thing before we go into how to do this is you need to take a moment to think what you know about the subject you're going to write about. Because mm-hmm. one of the saddest things in this world, especially the world of folk magic, is the person who has no basis in folk magic and decides to write a book and just say, I'll just make it up as I go, because all those other Mm -hmm. folk magicians did. And Mm -hmm. um, with no grounding, no research, and no background, there are a lot of these books put out. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to use this time to be angry. But if you Mm -hmm. hear me speak, anyone who hears me speak, and plan to do a book, please do your ancestral line. Please do mm-hmm. your folk magic ancestors mm-hmm. and mentors the honor. Please do humanity the honor of looking back to the origins of what you wish mm-hmm. to do and looking at it from a historical basis. Can I get a witness? Oh, yeah. Yes. Times a thousand. Now, on the other hand, if you are doing something completely intuitive, a new system mm-hmm. of divination, um, the way to make um, something that is, uh, well, like, a, for instance, an art piece. You don't need to do what I just said. You're free of the floor. You do your own intuitive mm-hmm. work, and it will either find an audience or it won't. Now, having mm-hmm. said that, I'm going to turn this over to you. Bring it to us, Susan. Oh, um, I'm a little hard of hearing, so um, did you say Susan? I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, I did. I said bring it to us. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, I've always been interested in writing, and I think you have to have an interest. Now, what I looked up about it was the saint, the patron saint of writers and journalists, who's Francis de Salas. He's a patron saint. He was a bishop mm-hmm. of Geneva. He died in 1622, and his feast day is uh, January the 14th. He gave the following tips. He, he didn't want to be a writer, which is interesting. He said, uh, write with a specific person in mind. For example, write as if you're speaking directly to one or two friends about their mm-hmm. problem and help them solve the problem. Write something worth sharing. Uh, Focus on the writing, the message, not the idea of writing a bestseller or getting rich from it. The reason I really got a lot out of that is because I have had so many people complain to me that call me and they have 
they have the honor of being published mm-hmm. by a real publisher, and they want to know why they're not rich. Mm-hmm. And that really <laughs> gets me going. In fact, the last time I was asked about that, I just hung up on the person. Because it's <laughs> not about, you. we don't do things, you know, we don't certainly don't write books for money. Um, Catherine, you, I'm sure you know that. Um, right. And Ali, you know that. Uh, mm-hmm. We write it because we love the topic and we have something to teach somebody. So I'm not going to write a topic, a book about love or how to, or sex magic, that's because it's not my thing. But I'll write a book about um, charisma or, you know, gambling or money or something like that. But um, you know, if you if you're good at something and you really love it and you like it and you want to share your tips, that's when you write a book. Now, one of the hardest things that I come across, and Catherine, I don't know if you do this too, but people will say, "Well, I just can't write. I just can't sit still long enough to write." Mm-hmm. Well, I look at that as you have to set aside. It's it's like exercising. You you want to get in shape. You're going to go exercise every other day for six months, and you get in shape. You know, if you want to write a book, you write every single day. And I'm sure Ali might agree with this. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you you have to practice and practice. If you uh, suddenly say, "Well, I don't know, I can't write," write your grocery list. I don't care what you do. Sit down. I write. I, I happen to write at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and you, you have to be very disciplined about it. A lot of people tell me they have because I teach writing too sometimes, and their excuse is, I write when, when the muse comes to me. Well, that would be like um, someone saying, I'll build your house when the muse comes to me to build your house. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'll right. your car. When the car muse comes, and then I'll fix it for you. It's a job, you know. You do it every single day. You write an outline. I well, I'm an outline person, so you write an outline. Uh, you figure out what you're going to write about. You have a tentative um, title, like "Hoodoo Honey and Sugar Spells" by Deacon Millet. Mm-hmm. So. And it's not going to be the main title. It may not because your editor or your publisher may say, you know what, let's do a different title. But you have to have something to go by. You know, we just can't be mm-hmm. willy-nilly all over the place. Well, um, I'm going to I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in here. Different people mm-hmm. are different. There are writers yes. who do very well if they um, sit down every day at a certain amount of time and write. There are others who block out a certain number of months to complete a project. Uh, There are people who Mm -hmm. are chronic procrastinators. I'm just going to put out that St. Expediti is a good one for the chronic procrastinators. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Writers are known for procrastination. Um, They really are. The other thing I tell people is, if you're going to work with a publisher, you want to know what that publisher's um, standards or interests are. Yeah, um, it can be very disappointing to a new writer to write, say, a 200-page manuscript or 400-page manuscript, and then try to shop it around uh, to a publisher. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that is sort of the 19th century romantic view of a person up there in a garret writing their heart out. Mm-hmm. And it often is important to do that if you're writing a novel, to have mm-hmm. the fully formed novel for the reader to read, to see that it ends satisfactorily. However, if you're writing a book on folk magic or spirituality that is of an instructive nature, it is mm-hmm. a good idea to not invest in the entire form of that book first, but to uh, try to write a few sample chapters, get a table of contents mm-hmm. together, and shop that around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yes, publishers, I agree. They, they know what an instructive book has the form of. Now, I will say mm-hmm. something else about writing, and this is just, again, from experience. I spent 26 years as an editor of fiction, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that many of you are familiar with the Harry Potter books. And mm-hmm. so that yes. was the book, the first Harry Potter novel, fully written, turned in, lightly edited. It was beautiful. The next one, next one. By the time they were so popular, the editors were afraid to edit the books, and they became longer, yes. more unwieldy. Oh. Um, yes. Characters began acting out of character. I'm um, clapping over here. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Now by by the time Very we got well to book number five, I just I just said, the editors are afraid to do anything now. She's too powerful. Yeah. This happens, right? This happens. And I'm not trying to single out one writer. I'm just saying, but that's a classic example. Mm-hmm. On the other yeah. hand, a more well, disciplined... Stephen King also. Stephen, yeah. King, Stephen King is another. A more disciplined writer, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give us an example, J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, yeah. When he wrote... Mm-hmm. When he wrote The Hobbit, he wrote The Hobbit. Then they said, okay, we'd like this bigger thing. And he goes, okay. So, But everything is almost to the page counted out. He had the interior discipline to make those six two-part books in case they wanted to publish them as six volumes or three volumes, each with two parts. Why? Because he had worked in the book business before. He'd mm-hmm. also published academically. He knew how big a book was. And yes. mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things that a new writer doesn't sometimes just doesn't think of. So mm-hmm. I'm a Taurus. I just have to say that practically speaking, don't go to a publisher who only publishes books of 200 to 300 pages for yeah. teens who are new to magic and say, <laughs> I have an 850-page book on um, <laughs> sub-Saharan African folk magic. Because they're just yeah. going to look at you and go, what? Yeah. That, yeah. That is, thank you for bringing that up uh, because I think sometimes we often think of the writing portion. We don't think of the editing portion. And I and I know I'm only as good as my editor. <laughs> There's many times I've turned something in. I'm not an editor. I'm a writer. But when I turn stuff in, my editor's the one that's like, dude, what are you doing here? <laughs> and it, 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 it gives them a moment. <laughs> and the Harry Potter thing, I mean, you spoke from my heart. Can't, I've, I've been feeling that for a long. I love the series. But you, I, by the end, you're just sitting there going, where did the editor go? Where did, right. where did yeah. the editor go? Because it becomes <laughs> so unwieldy that no one's able to say anything. I want to say I have a lot of thoughts about this, but we are living in a very odd era. Uh, both in a good era, but it is a weird one. The democratization of knowledge, which is a good thing, means that knowledge is made readily available at the tips of your fingertips, right? You will no longer have to, 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 to you know, go to the ivory tower in order to get little tidbits of information. You can find it online. More and more people are mm-hmm. publishing. More and more people are writing books. They're self-publishing, all sorts of things. Some of This is really good, but it has a sort of negative effect. And one of that is that we are now in an era where everyone thinks that they're an expert. 
And this is not mm-hmm. one of the things I really want to emphasize here is you write what you know. Don't mm-hmm. write about things you don't know. And Kat, you you touched on this right when you said write about the traditions, like do the work. Because I'm telling you, I was just coming across books the other day about gin magic, and I read them, and I'm like, this is bullshit. None of this is yeah. related even remotely to the gin. They just threw in gin and then had this kind of new neo-Wiccan, new age they were calling on Hecate. And I'm like, that's great. There's a beautiful tradition of honoring Hecate that has nothing to do with the gin. But they wrote these books, mm-hmm. and they wrote these books now on gin magic. And I'm sitting there going, this is an oral tradition that has been mm-hmm. passed down from family to family, teacher to teacher for generations. No one's written it down yet. Or the books that did write it down were medieval texts that are not even translated yet. They just aren't. Um, and, and, I, and the same thing with hoodoo. Hoodoo for a long time was an oral tradition with some mm-hmm. authors that have a, a kind of written stuff down as an attempt to preserve. The first, re- in my opinion, the, the real popularization of hoodoo started with Kat's book, with your book. But mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. opened up this thing where suddenly everyone thought they were an expert. And what they mm-hmm. meant by yeah. expertise was they'd learned some crap online, and then they wrote a book about it. I'm going, that's not actually hoodoo. If you read the stuff that Missionary Independent puts out, the Lucky Mojo puts out, that the cat puts out, it always starts in the same place. Here's how things were done. Here's the history. And there's Mm -hmm. an important reason why that, it grounds it in actual tradition. Please, either do the research before you write something, or write what you know. If you don't, don't write that book. Don't. Mm-hmm. You always mm-hmm. ask yourself, it's better to not write a book that ends up becoming trash than to write that book and forever have right. it associated right. with that appropriative, you know, bunk that you put out there. Right. Well, I just put up a, a link, and I have to thank Nagashiva. That's why I was away from Keys, and I want to thank Miss Michael for handling our chat log while I was away. Um, back in the in the um, Lucky Mojo forum, there's a section for members of AIR, and it's a private section, and I had posted something on how to get a book published with um, um, Lucky Mojo. And this is just my company. Mm-hmm. And I grabbed mm-hmm. Shiva, and we were away from the keys, putting this online in a public page. And so we just posted that. It's called luckymojo.com, and then all run together, all lowercase, how to get a book published at luckymojo.html. Okay? Oh, great. So That's this, great. Is, yeah. this is my, uh, uh, and we, we can sniff it up. It might not be in, in horrible typewriter type by this time you see it. It just says what we do. And this is true of every publisher, general published information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we publish books mm-hmm. on folk magic by condition, folk magic by form, folk magic by region or culture and folk magic by Mm -hmm. forms of divination. We have editorial content. You can make a formal submission. We have a house style of writing. We have non-authorial matter included, like illustrations and so forth. We have a royalty rate, Mm -hmm. which we publish 10%. We have a print run. We have what advanced royalties are, book signing incentives. Mm -hmm. You get a free case of books, and you can make author purchases at wholesale. We have contractual obligations between you and between us. Um, Everyone has to Mm -hmm. do their part. We have promotion that we we allow on-site promotion, newsletter promotion, radio show and podcast promotion, and Lucky Mojo forum promotion, social media promotion, Amazon promotion, and promotional partnerships, which we will ship you books to to your events. And mm-hmm. then um, 
Then we get into the content, and I think that's what most people are really interested in. Stick with our format. We have four formats of um, of books, and that's it. If you have another format in mind, go to a different publisher. Not saying we're the only mm-hmm. ones. We're not. Um, two, provide substantive front matter and end matter. In other words, we mm-hmm. don't just start off with, I had a revelation of the Virgin of Guadalupe, and it meant so much <laughs> to me. No, mm-hmm. we have to, <laughs> right? We just start with front matter, and we end with end matter, and including title page, indicia, table of contents, and so forth, and a bibliography. Mm-hmm. We like overviews of culture, history, and folklore. And I gave some examples. We like technical glossaries if they need them. Well, you know, what is a mojo? Um, what is a troll formal? You know, mm-hmm. what is uncrossing? And we like lists of tools and techniques. And again, I give examples. Some of our books have those. We like shout outs. If you're going to get spells from other sources, don't pretend they're your own. Say where they got, yeah. got mm-hmm. them from. Um, we like in a 96 page book to provide 100 spells, short ones. Mm-hmm. We like lists of ingredients um, in some books. We like lists of ingredients prescribed by condition or described by form or method. And that's it for our books. Now, everyone's got a different thing. But um, I was once given a proposal for a book on working with spirits, and it sounded Mm -hmm. so good. It just sounded so good until the Mm -hmm. person began writing and turned in the sample chapter. And it was all about their life. And mm-hmm. I and I said, wait a minute, this is your blog. This isn't a book. Mm-hmm. This is your blog. I said, or this is your memoir or your autobiography. But they were offended. They said, but I want to talk about working with spirits. No, you're talking about you. And mm-hmm. if you were to work talk about working with spirits, you'd have to carve out a section, the entire world through all of history, Armenia in the 7th century. What? <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I and knew I could make you laugh with that one, Ali. That was, uh, that was a good one. <laughs> but this is a really good point: is that the art of writing involves first and foremost knowing what the format is. It's not just sitting yeah. down and typing. And sometimes I think people think that this is the craft portion of it. Who are you writing for, and what are you going to? Say? If you're submitting, for example, to a publisher that is very specific that they don't want images, that's going to do something to your book. If, on the other hand, the publisher wants a certain number of pages, that does something to your book as well. Be aware mm-hmm. who you're writing with. Find an editor yes. that's going to work with you. Writing is not, and it is true that writing of all the professions is probably the most solitary of crafts. But even writing mm-hmm. isn't fully solitary. You are working with someone, whether it's a publishing house or an editor, and it is important to recognize that format and then work towards building that. And it is really building. You are doing it brick by brick. I remember when I sat down to start writing my dissertation, and I went, how the F am I going to write this thing? Several hundred pages Mm. on this topic, do I just start? And it looked like such an impossibly daunting task. And the first thing I Mm -hmm. did is what what Kat said, is I looked at the, the format. I went, what does it need to look like? And then I broke mm-hmm. it down into little digestible pieces. Okay, mm-hmm. this is what this chapter is going to look like. This is what this chapter is going to look like. And this is what this chapter is going to look like. And here's how I'm going to tackle it. This many pages there. And then within that, I had a lot of creativity. I could go a little bit longer, a little bit shorter. But once you've got your format, you can then mm-hmm. create your plan of attack. And it is 
brick by brick until you build your mm-hmm. book. That's how you start. You have an end vision, but if you spend so much time with the end vision that you kind of take the, 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 the temperance path, as I like to call it, to success. If everyone's looked at the temperance card, it's a winding mm-hmm. road. And yeah, you eventually mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. to that floating crown in the distance, but it's like it's a long road. You can take that road mm-hmm. if you'd like, or you can make it easier for yourself by planning bit by bit. So, Susan, let's go back to you again. Tell me more about mm-hmm. what, how you approach writing the books that you do. Well, I've been taking writing courses for years since I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and I, I re- highly recommend it because when you when you want to be a writer, you know you have this dream, like oh, and the, and the fantasy about it. You go to a conference and you go up to an agent or an editor and you hand them what you've got and they just go, <laughs> you know, and they go, no. Or, or they just will just throw it to the side. And that's a slap in the face. But it's also a learning experience. It's like, uh-oh, I better study a little bit more about the process of writing what this lady wants or what this agent wants, or editor, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some, most of them that I've met can be very brutal to you. Um, mm-hmm. some, are, some are nice, and they'll tell you what they expect, just like you did uh, earlier about mm-hmm. what the Lucky Mojo expects, which is awesome. You know, I really love mm-hmm. knowing what, what I need to give. But um, I just start off um, daydreaming, and then the daydream will turn into the form because I'm so visual. Will turn into oh, this would be really uh, a great thing to write about. The mm-hmm. irony is, when I was in the first grade, I used to get paddled for daydreaming. Mm-hmm. You know, so life is funny. You know, it, it's like <laughs> um, I don't know. Should I be daydreaming? You know, and and that's. What I do. That's my field. I'm a creative person. But I just, um, I, my mind is constantly going into other worlds like what would happen if this happened or what would happen if time stopped and, you know, whatever. But I will get an idea. And here's another problem, Miss Kat. A lot of students I've had will get two three, four ideas, and you've got a hodgepodge, a book with three or four different um, topics. So oh, yeah. you have to really stick yes. with that May topic. I, May I jump you know in on I mean? that? Because I'm an editor, and yes. that's a topic yeah. very dear to me. I'm going to tell you, I'll give you a couple of examples. I'm not going to um, name people. I have no intention of shaming any of my friends and, and fellow <laughs> workers. But I was given a book. Um, that I agreed to the topic, and just according to the outlines as presented on that web page, what we were going to have, and part way through the book, about two thirds of the way book through the book, the person basically ran out of spells for that topic, and jumped to another topic, and oh. it was it was very surprising to me. And I said, wait a minute, this is all different material, and I took it out mm-hmm. and I handed it back, and I said, this is your second book. This is a different book. As it turned mm-hmm. out, the person never did that second book and has all their uh. writing. But then, working together, we filled in the gaps and the missing parts 
of the first book. And part of what it was was an embarrassment on the part of that writer to do things like go through Zora Neale Hurston, Harry Hyatt, Nobel mm-hmm. Niles Puckett, mm-hmm. interviewing oh. people, asking me, asking fellow air members for spells. There was that, I could do it all myself. But that person really didn't yeah. have 100 spells, right? So they just jumped the topic. Mm-hmm. That's number one. That happens. Another time that the topic jumping happens, somebody was doing a book, very interesting, fascinating book, and it just, it was so perfect. And suddenly, chapter 10, 11, and 12 were about a religion. I'm not going to name the religion because then you'd all know who I'm talking about. But all of a sudden, this religion appeared in the middle of it. And it isn't even like, it's a world religion, but it wasn't like what would come to the top of my pile of like, let's talk about this religion in this book on hoodoo, right? And um, Mm -hmm. and there it was, and it was fascinating. And again, I cut it all out, and I said, I'm sending you this book back. This is the Mm -hmm. seed of your next book on that religion. This Mm -hmm. is not this book. And again, we we found that the part of the problem was the religion was so important, was bubbling under so much that mm. it, it kind of exploded into another book. So we just took it out, set it to one side. That person didn't have a lot of trouble filling the rest of the pages. They just go, they they actually had written a number of books before, and they went, "Oh, you're right. I just rode my hobby horse into this book, and it went away. Mm. Oh, now wow. it's going to be another book." So. Um, I find that this kind of um, uh, work of an editor is important. Not every writer wants mm-hmm. an editor. Okay, so here's our music. I I uh, was of the impression that we had only one client, and I'm going to find out if we have two clients or not, because I'd love to continue this conversation <laughs> if, we, if we don't. Me too. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, let's I'm not take an editor it away to at all. Nude. I wish I was. Yeah, let's take it away. We're so far only oh. one, and we can continue uh, if we want, is what Nagasaki Yeah, yeah so far only one. Continue if you're like, yeah, let's keep going then. Wow, yeah, yeah. We've got one <laughs> client on the phone. That's good. Uh, just hang on. I'm, hang loose, baby. Whoever you are, we'll get to you. So <laughs> I want to ask uh, both of you a question real quick. Um, is, is In terms of, of strategizing when you write a book, are there things that you recommend, for example, uh, you mentioned, uh, Susan, that daydreaming is something, working with an editor, are there certain other practical things you do when you start a book? So, for example, I'll, I'll give you something that I always recommend. But this is kind of a very Torin thing, and it works for Taurus. It doesn't work for everyone else. I always tell people to pick one place and do your writing back. I'm not a big believer mm-hmm. in moving about because I think that there's a lot of distraction. <laughs> that comes around. So you can have one place that's your writing place. It can be an office. It can be a coffee house. It can be whatever. There's just something mm-hmm. about, like, once you're there, you know you've got work to do. You can even build on that. Like, I have a particular tea I drink when I write. I, do, I want to have, brew that cup of tea, and when I have... Uh, uh, and I'm sitting in my office at my table with my... I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm writing. So I think that's mm-hmm. one step for me, and it can also be spiritual. You can add, make it into a literal mm-hmm. altar with candles and, and, and uh, sigils and seals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think, um, and that was one of the things I had to learn because <clears throat> I was, in my younger years, a little all over the place because I have some a lot of Gemini in me. But um, I, what I do now and what I've 
done for years and I didn't even notice it until my husband pointed it out is mm-hmm. is he said, you know what's really interesting? He goes, I know when you're ready to write and I know when to leave you alone. And I go, really, why? He goes, because you have about 10 pair of black pants. You've got seven shirts. And he goes, you wear either one of the pants, one of those shirts, and your black boots. And he goes, and I know to stay away from you, to leave you alone. And I work on a round table, and I have a Coca-Cola, usually uh, a little bit of coffee in the morning. And I don't eat anything for a long time, as long as I'm writing. And then I get up about from the chair around 132, um, and then I'll eat something. And the, I have a dog, my new dog, and she's a beautiful dog. She was a rescue dog. And she stays by my feet mm. whenever I write. So you oh, are yeah. absolutely correct. I have wow. my thing. It's my clothes <laughs> because I don't have to think about what I want to wear. Do you know what I mean? Right. Gosh, guys, right, i yeah. got to tell you, I have an entirely different thing. Now, remember, folks, I'm a typesetter and publisher as mm-hmm. well as an editor and writer. Uh, so what I do is I lie in bed at night before I go to sleep, and I visualize pages of type. I, I block them out. I don't Ooh, figure out what yeah, it's all it's all pre-formed. I just sit there mm. and I go. I think I think of all the thoughts I'm going to have. I don't think them out, and I certainly do not verbalize them or subvocal verbalize them. I just go. Do I have six pages on magnets? Yes. Do I? No. Nope, wait a minute. Only five pages on magnets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Need one more page on magnets. Do I have six pages on? whatever it might be, spring water. Nope, that's going to be four pages. And I just sit there and I just do this and I fall asleep. Next night I do it again. I can do that wow. for, about two, for about two weeks. At the end of about a week to two weeks, I wake up in the morning and I go, okay, there's my 96-page book. It's all there. Oh, wow. It's like one of those folded-up little paper flowers that came in a clamshell from Chinatown when we were children and mm. you put them in water and they, uh-huh. they unfold. It was like that. It's all there. Now, I know one other worker, um, uh, artist and writer who worked that way, and that was a man named Will Eisner. He was a cartoonist. He and I were exactly the same. He said, yeah, I just know exactly how big it's going to be. And I used to think of it in terms of of, um, K, you know, kilobytes, or Mm -hmm. I could think Mm -hmm. of it in terms of pages. I have enough K to write this book. And then when it comes time to writing it, I don't care where I am. I don't care what I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I usually do tend to sit in the same chair and I do tend to want to work um during the daytime and uh and then stay up late at night. I tend to not want to write mm-hmm. on a full stomach. But once I have the book, I don't even have to and I'm not trying to brag or anything. Oh, I know one other person who works that way, another writer named Mark Evanier. We just have this sort of thing where the book builds itself, and then you just sort of let mm-hmm. it unfold. Now, every once in a while, I'll make a mistake, and I'll end up like four pages too long for a 96-page book. And that can be mm-hmm. just torturous because then to cut something that I've already built in is hard, mm-hmm. And I will, but I'll do it. Um, I've tried to teach that method to people, and nobody has ever learned it. I think it's You're inherent. Right. It's genetic. Yeah, it- it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of designers. You kind of do 
what yeah. some mm-hmm. co- some coders and designers do. You you visualize it and then it, you you do it. That's, it's very fascinating. That's a really cool way of working. Yeah, yeah. It's very strange. It also, I I believe, it's what allows me to be an impromptu speaker. Um, mm. But and mm-hmm. it's funny because when I speak, I've noticed that I speak in paragraphs that end up in pages in my own in other words mm-hmm. while i'm talking i know this now now we're getting into and how crazy is cat actually <laughs> while i'm speaking this is all being typeset mm-hmm. and scrolling past me oh that's oh. interesting but when you speak it's, it's very mesmerizing because i know oh. when i went to <laughs> one of the um apprenticeships and you speak and it's it's hypnotizing. You know, I notice like my attention will tend to go toward an animal or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But when you speak, it's very interesting. And I think it's because you're telling interesting uh, stories of things that I didn't know about. And I'm thinking, wow, I just found out something brand new about an, a historical event that I didn't know or some, um, uh, you know, small intimate detail about a human being that lived in the 40s mm-hmm. or something. So um, I agree. Yeah, you do speak like that, and that is that's a very. Excellent. I, I, I'm I gonna, never I'm gonna, knew just that. To, just to just to say something else too. I find that writing web pages has broken my concentration because web pages are endlessly long, and I can mm-hmm. keep going. Mm-hmm. And books focus your mind much more than web pages because you can have a web page that, you know, that's really one web page can be the equivalent of, you know, 700 pages of print. Yeah, um, it, there's no stopping it. No stopping it. You just keep writing. Yeah. And so to me, the the idea, I, I have my own little things. I like two facing pages to be about the same subject. I like a headline on the top of each page or subhead. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you've all seen my books and what they look like. I'm, I'm a little... Um, it's a neatness. It's a puzzle solving. It's an art, the art of making books. Mm. But um, puzzle but to solving, get back, let's get back, one. though, to the actual topic of occultism, because this is interesting yeah. to many of our listeners. We know that everyone is making YouTube videos. They're posting on Instagram, yeah. Twitter, Facebook. Um, people say books are dead. People say books are irrelevant. Every book should be an e-book. I'm just They're here to so say, wrong. yeah. I'm here to say people still want paper books, and they oh, yeah. particularly mm-hmm. like paper books about esoteric and occult subjects. There's mm-hmm. a tradition of those things being available in book form and not over the yeah. internet. Just a, just a side note. <laughs> and and well, this for is, me, I mean, they they predicted a, that the book yeah. was going to die, and they were wrong. They, they, they did. We know that they're like, oh, everything's going to go ebook, everything's going to go Kindle. There'll never be bookstores. Well, now we found out that Amazon is literally building bookstores now. After they've killed Borders and all the other yes. local bookstores, they're now opening physical bookstores because people still mm-hmm. want books. And they do. So I think when it comes to magical, spiritual, and occult, there's something mm-hmm. about holding a tome, a book. Um, of possessing that type of knowledge physically. And that also kind of leads to the fact that most of sometimes people wrote, write books as sort of talismanic acts. Many books on occultism mm-hmm. are also talismanic objects or magical objects themselves. Oh, my I God, agree yes. with that. Powwows, powwows of the yeah. long lost friend. Whoever exactly. possesses this book will not die by drowning. It's written right in the book. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I picked up your book re- recently again. Um, the hoodoo, um, the root work 
correspondence course, and I was blown away by it again because I couldn't believe the detail in that book and the stories. And the, there's a the one really interesting part that I didn't notice before is you you talk about the flowers or it's spring and and it lulls you into a very nice positive space and so I want to read the rest of what's going on even though it's uh-huh. not about the you know what I mean the gardening and all that it's for it it gets you into the mood to read about hoodoo and nonfiction and so mm. it's a pleasant um it's a brilliant book. It really is. And the other thing about uh, I have to have real books. I can't have e-books because of the scent. I love the scent of a book. Mm-hmm. I love going mm-hmm. to a library, smelling an old book. I collect books. I go to auctions and buy old books. There's nothing like them, and there's a lot of power in them that people don't mm-hmm. uh, quite realize. And the, And I'm talking about the real books. You know, mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. uh, uh, how to have a million friends books, but, you know, your <laughs> spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. the magical books. And I have seen a lot of books about the gin lately, too. I was gonna talk, I thought about you, Ollie, and I thought, uh, <laughs> this doesn't look real to me. It didn't feel mm-hmm. real. So. <laughs> no, it definitely did not. Um, but also it's tied to that is, is that writing the books themselves is a bit of a magical act, right? So possessing the books yes. is a magical act. It has a certain sense. There's a craft to it. There's a, there's a feeling to it. But so too is the writing aspect of it. When you write mm-hmm. a book, you are putting a bit of yourself out there, and you're putting a bit of yourself yeah. in that book. And that is uh, an act of creation. And so be aware of that. If you're writing a magical book, you are participating in creating an act of magic. Um, and you can do things that I think can facilitate that. I treat, whenever I write, particularly on magical topics, I treat it as if I am almost casting a spell or doing some form of magic. There's a ritual to it. I'm writing it, and there's an end goal. And that end goal is that the book will be a physical thing that is manifested. So there is a part where I start uh-huh. with an intention. I'm gonna, I am intend to write this book. And then there is a sort mm-hmm. of planning process that's me gathering the materials, if you will, the magic of material. And then there's the actual writing of it. And that's me actually crafting the, the, the spell, so to speak. And then when I put it out there, it's gotten published. So far, so good. And, you know, never had a real rejection mm-hmm. uh, in regards to writing. So it works. And you need to recognize, and I think there's a sort of a recognition of that magical process can help mm-hmm. people to start to write uh, conjure books or magical books or occult books or whatever it is that they're they're aiming to do to mm-hmm. view what they're doing as an act of magic. I agree. I and I've used um, hypnotic writing before when I've write when I've written uh, short articles or things like that for the internet. I'll use mm-hmm. sometimes hypnotic phrases and hypnotic words, um, hypnotic styles of writings. Barbara Cartland was known for that. And she was, yeah. of course, a best-selling author, a romance author of all things. But I, I read her books as a young person and realized, wow, she sucks you in. And it's because of the hypnotic writing, you know. But um, yeah. there's all types of tricks and I don't know if you call them tricks, but things that I think people 
I would love to see them read a book. Uh, Stephen King does have a book on writing, I think, and it's an excellent book. But I don't mm-hmm. remember the name of it. But I'd love to see somebody take more classes on uh, how to write. And instead of saying, oh, I have a, a, hey, Susan, I have this great idea for a book. Why don't you write it and we share the profits? Oh, okay. You know, that that's, that's, that's very disrespectful because <laughs> the writing is the hard part. You know, yeah. well, to me, the editing is the hard part. So I, right. but I find a good editor. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I, that's what my thing well, is. Well, as so. we're as we're talking, I just want to do a couple things here, housekeeping wise. Uh, Nagashiva has been putting some incredible um, little uh, tags here in the in the chat room, and he's silent, but he's given some idea. Invocation of intellect of influential authors during writing. He also said, mm. um, connect up through the planes with a, a magical link. Use a special ink. I tell you, I used to write all my books by hand. I would never type them. I always wrote them out longhand, mm-hmm. and I let the typesetters type them. Sometimes I was the typesetter. Me, me now, too. <laughs> now, I, now I do it. I have my little special keyboard. Um, he says, fix your own dragon's blood ink in your own nature. Um, and mm-hmm. insert magical talismans and scripts into your book covertly. I do mm-hmm. that a lot. I do a lot of, um, oh, I guess you would call Jewish, Kabbalistical, folk magical, wacky. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you take the first letter of this and that, you know, it makes little, you know, I do a lot of puzzle building in my books. Um also, I wanted to give a, a shout-out to some of the people in the chat room. Um, Jimbo, Tony I, Reverend Dr. Sweets, Holly Boo, Anna Gabriella, Miss Athena, and, of course, uh, we mm-hmm. have our own favorite guest, 466. And um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I of Nude, Papa Nude, of course, he's here uh, in the chat room as well as working with us, and El Chemical Artisans Hour. So just wanted to say mm-hmm. thank you to all the folks who are um, in the chat and uh, uh, taking notes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, thank you. There are, um, uh, there are certain products that I just wanted to shout out that I think really help with writing that we don't, mm-hmm. Often, mm-hmm. We don't often think of these products as writing. One of the most obvious, of course, is, is uh, a crown of success. Crown of success isn't just success in regards to, mm-hmm. oh, I passed mm-hmm. that test or, oh, I'm successful in life. Crown of success works really, really well for writing. There's an element of eloquence to it. Working with, with crown of success, anointing your hands, anointing your brow, uh, lighting crown of success candles works really well. Deer's tongue is fantastic. Deer's tongue is good for mm-hmm. eloquence, but that eloquence can transfer to writing, particularly if you know how to, for example, if you burn uh, deer's tongue incense and smoke your hands in deer's tongue, really great for for uh, eloquence. Um, sun products also work really well. Sun and mercury are both really good. You can buy sun oil, mercury oil, work with them, and they will help with uh, uh, eloquence and help you to be good at writing, at the skill of writing, whether that's to develop the discipline of it or to simply be a really talented writer. Um, I've used mm-hmm. kind of a combination of those in, in my own work. A little bit of Crown of Success, a little bit of Sun, a little bit of Crown of Success, a little bit of Mercury, and it works really, really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just have to thank uh, you. Alchemical, mm-hmm. Alchemical Artisans, Sarah and I were just chatting here about um, uh, enchanting the books themselves. And I mentioned mm-hmm. that when, uh, when Kiss, 
the band Kiss put their blood into a run of a Marvel comic book about themselves. So every book was printed with their blood. Oh, interesting. <laughs> there are photos of it. They actually did that. Um, oh, but, you know, most of, us, most of us can't go there. But one of the things that as an author I do, whenever I sell books, um, individual books, not wholesale, I sign them. And mm-hmm. I sign them, uh, you know, people People um, go, why do you do that? Because I want to personalize them to each person, so I just put, sign them. Mm-hmm. And most of my books have a little a key phrase that go with them that appear over and over again. Like, for instance, the black folder, I always write, good luck. And um, for um, throwing the bones, I wrote, enjoy your bones. And for mm-hmm. um, the uh, book of uh, Art of Food and Candle Magic, I wrote, let it shine. So these things, I write them over and over again as I sign these books, and I'm putting sort of power into these keyworded concepts that are embedded in those mm-hmm. books. That's just something I do. It's magically mm-hmm. enchanting the physical books that the clients will buy or, or readers will buy. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. I love that, too. I, I've been um, putting different talismans and then using dowsing on it to make it more powerful. And mm-hmm. I don't know how it's worked yet, but I've, I'm tinkering with it. So mm-hmm. to so try to make Susan, it. it so, Susan, now, let me, let me ask you, this project that you're working on right now with your friend, is this going to be self-published mm-hmm. or is it going to go to a publisher? Um, well, I know how I am, and I have to be in control of everything. That's one of my problems. So I would, you know, I, and I know that I've got enough self-awareness finally at my age, and I'd like to self-publish it, but she mm-hmm. would like to try the traditional way because she's mm-hmm. more easygoing than I am, and she's a Pisces and um, a very sweet woman and very smart, like I said before. So mm-hmm. she wants to try the traditional way, and I'm going to um, try to pull back and not be so... Um, overbearing and controlling and just let let her go with it for a year and see how it goes mm-hmm. hmm. and um so yeah i'm in the year of self-awareness and looking at my um, many faults and trying to work on mm-hmm. them and working with the pisces has been a very good thing actually yeah you know that's a that's a something to really think about too when we talk about the history of writers and writing there are writers who didn't get their first book published their second book their third their fourth mm-hmm. um i remember philip k dick um i think when he mm-hmm. got his first novel published he had six novels in his desk drawers complete yes mm. <laughs> i mean and then of I always, course they were released you know i always tell people um, whenever I'm teaching the class, I said, when you write this book uh, and you're done, go home and start your second book. Because mm-hmm. if it's good and it's picked up, the publisher or the editor is going to say, we need, we want your second book. Where is it? So yeah. don't waste time. You know what I'm saying? So keep yeah. writing. That's right. Keep writing. Well, there is our music. Yeah. Well, this was an interesting topic to me. I'm in the middle of working right now on the, the compiling the red folder. And I've got a couple more mm. on the on the runway. Yeah, we're we're coming out with some more books this spring, so uh, you'll all hear <laughs> about it. And of course, Black and White Magic uh, is our f- first book that we kind of released off our normal spring schedule. It's out, so I'm just uh, oh, bathed okay. in books. All right, we're going to take a um, a 
client now. Let's bring in Papa Newt and see who we're going to read for. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the independent spiritual uh, churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phone and take our caller for the night. And our caller of the evening is a first-time caller calling in from area code 956 in South Texas. This is Christina. Christina, are you there? Uh, Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. And welcome to the show, and thank you for entrusting us with your situation today. Thank you. And now I see that you have not had any readings with Miss Cat or Conjurman Ali, uh, but you have been going to a Kundera um, for uh, doing readings on this particular situation. Is that correct? Yes, sir. All right. And she writes, I met a man a few months ago after after my father, a children's father, had left, and the connection was unlike anything we have experienced before, and I had fell hard and fast. Uh, he seemed to be falling as well, and everything was going fine until I asked for clarification on the situation. He had been in a serious relationship prior to this, and, sh- and she died in a car accident after they they broken up and told me that they thought he was ready, but... He was scared and about losing somebody. Uh, we fell out of communication, but we have come back into communication again. Uh, but for uh, but still, uh, was, sorry, I missed my place here. Uh, back uh, communication began back to each other, and can't help but feel that there is a reason. But as of this past week, he is still scared. Turn it back to you, Miss Cass. All right. Well, thank you for trusting us with this. I'm going to ask a couple of questions before we start reading, and I'm uh, going to do the first reading. Susan will do the second reading, and then Ollie will give you root work advice. So my first question for you is, um, what is your sign of the zodiac? Um, I'm an Aquarius. And what is his sign of the zodiac? He's a Sagittarius. Uh, okay. So Sagittarius and Aquarius go fairly well together because they're both um, upwardly moving signs. Um, but Sagittariuses do tend to be a little bit more um, flighty and hard to pin down. Just saying that, that goes with the territory. When you love a Sagittarius, it can be um, they can tend to, to um, not want to commit. Okay. Yeah. Um, and about how old are you? Um, I'm 27. Mm-hmm. And how okay. old is he? Uh, he just turned 29. Okay. So that's also going to tell us something about this that any astrologer will understand. You are entering into your Saturn return, and he is exiting his Saturn return. Um, these are the two most crucial years, the years from 27 to 29, in the lives of pretty much every young adult. And they signify the change to true maturity or the failure to make that a transition. So he has been through a bit of a tough time. You are entering a bit of a tough time. And this 
is one of those situations that's not going to be easily solved unless he understands that you are now going through some of the same difficulties of maturation that he went through. At the end of it, there is light at the end of the tunnel. At about the age of 29, everything kind of is smooth sailing, and then you're in smooth sailing up until your mid-50s anyway. Okay, so, um, but but this is, I mean, usually, and I don't mean, you know, you might not be, you might have disasters and things along the way, but astrologically, you're not in such a, a, a bad position. So, this is a this is an unusual thing. Now, what I'm going to look at in the reading, I'm going to pull three cards, and what I'm going to do is, um, you feel that it's a reason that you're together, um, seeing each other, even though it's off and on, and you want to know what that reason is, or do you want to know whether he'll come back and commit? Because those are two different questions, and I didn't see clearly. What was the question? Um, I guess I, I want clarification as to um, whether or not he'll commit, um, if it's just going to be this okay. cycle. Right. That, that's the better question of the two. That's a much better question. Will he come back and commit? Card number one tells me this is going to be difficult at best. The card is the moon. It shows a dog and a wolf howling at the moon. The moon is, has the face of a beautiful young lady on it, but she has a frown on her face and a tear in her eye. And she's looking down at these two animals, so like and yet so unlike. The dog, friendly, puppy eyes, wagging tail. The wolf, big teeth, snarling, all furred up and, and kind of aggressive. This person himself, uh, Mr. Sage, is a double-bodied person. And he he has a sort of a werewolf tendency. It isn't only about that his former lover died in a car accident. There are other things inherent to him that involve two types of ways of relating. They may be influenced by the moon. They may be influenced by uh, his hormones or your hormones. They may be influenced by his diet, um, his blood pressure, or any other thing that is a liquid. In the foreground is a little crawfish in a river waving its arms futilely. There's a path ahead, and the crawfish is almost like screaming, Guys, stop this. Just get on the path. But they don't pay attention. And so it's a card of some frustration. In the background, there are two watchtowers. And again, this is watching this event unfold, but the watchers cannot affect it either. So this is not the best outcome card you could hope for. It's not a disaster card, but it says, in dealing with him, be aware of the fact that he may have a bit of the werewolf in him, and he may be able to uh, be a puppy dog sometime. But there are other times when he's just not as um, centered and committed as you would wish him to be. The next card I have is a card of undoing, and it is called the Eight of Cups, and it shows a person turning away and under a sad moon with a tear in her eye. And um, and this person is turning away from a beautiful beach of golden cups and turning and walking into the dark. He may decide to leave, and he may do so foolishly because the third card is the fool. And what I see here is that he he may not value the relationship as much as you do. And um, the question was, will he commit? 
Now, you could ask a different question at another time. What can I do to help? But right now what I'm seeing is that he has problems, and these are not your problems. And the fool is a guy who's walking off a cliff holding a white flower, looking in the sky. He's being warned by a little white dog, hey, watch out, you're about to to, to fall off this cliff. But he goes ahead. So this man is not going to be easy to warn. This card has the sun in it, not a moon. So when even at his best moods, he is going to be a little insecure, a little foolish, a little hard to deal with. All right, that's my reading. I'm going to turn this over to Susan. Hi there. Um, so, hi. <laughs> um, you're very psychic yourself, aren't you? I feel like you've been told that you have um, intuition and and um, you've... I know you go to a psychic and uh, you see somebody who I feel like is a good person, too. And they're they're not leading you astray, in other words, because you have a good um, third eye, a good psychic sense. And um, uh, my dog is acting like she's reading the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's something in, in your past that was um, a healer or something like that. And this is why... You were drawn to this man and this man to you was to heal him. Um, the, the the thing is, I don't think he wants to be healed, at least not right now. He's too young. He's only 29. For a man, that's a very young age. Um, I got the king of swords on him. And so he makes fast decisions. Uh, I, I feel like he's good in bed. He's probably a good lover but then he leaves every once in a while um he's fun to be around but this is not someone that i personally would want to be um in a relationship maybe for a fling but i don't know about a relationship he's super smart um the next card i i did get was the two of swords which is the indecision you know it's a stalemate um uh, you know, it's just a difficult time. It's, but it's more difficult for you than it is for him because I, my feeling is that he's already made up his mind, and right now his mind is not on uh, commitment. I feel like he has a lot on his mind though, and um, not necessarily. I'm not saying other women, but I do see a justice card. So he's. Um, uh, there's some anger inside of him, and uh, he's doing some sort of legal or uh, some something with a business, and it has nothing to do with you at all. Um, he's a complicated individual, but I do see why you like him. It's because you have a very healing spirit and a sweetheart, and um, you do have a quiet strength about you that I like very much. A card that just flipped out of the, the the deck is the Two of Cups and it's you in a few years, a couple of years with a younger man um, not young young but uh, less forceful and like a nicer a better suited person for you that is also he has healing abilities inside of himself and it's a card of lovers. So this is in the future 
from what I'm seeing. I could be wrong, but um, this one fellow that you're involved with now, I would, uh, you know, pull back a, a little bit. Start pulling back. Don't don't lean in. Lean backwards, if that makes any sense. Lean out. Um, Sagittarians are fun, but they can be difficult to uh, um, connect with or commit. And he's still angry about the accident. And there's going to be legal situations coming up. But um, thank you so much for letting me read for you. Thank you. That's a a very insightful reading, Susan. I I really liked that. Well, let's turn to Conjurman Ali and see, despite the fact that this does not seem to be a, a card that's a, a card reading from two different women who said that no commitment mm-hmm. is is in the future. Let's see what Ollie offers here to you as a client. Yeah, I'm. I I think you've gotten some really important information here, and what you do with it is going to be up to you, and it's going to take a little bit of time for I think the message to sink in. So I'm going to give you a working according to that. Before I do, let me ask: uh, When did when did his uh, former partner pass away? Um, I believe he said it was uh, two years ago. Two years ago. So he experienced the death during his Saturn return. Mm-hmm. That's I'm right. Trying to get at him. Mm-hmm. This is why we're facing what we're facing, right? So the Saturn return, Saturn rules death, first of all, okay? Mm-hmm. So experiencing some mm-hmm. type of death in Saturn return and having to deal with that is his struggle. So that's something that he's going to have to deal with. Now, here's the thing. You're also an Aquarius. Now, an Aquarius is is, is traditionally ruled, uh, has a lot of Saturn. There's a Saturnian sign, uh, classically speaking. And what I have found in my experience is that the Saturnian uh, signs always have some issue with time. For a Capricorn, for example, I have always found that Capricorns most of the time will marry uh, across ge- across uh, generations, if you will. There's usually an age mm. difference in Capricorn relationships. It's just something that I've experienced. A lot of Capricorns date either older or younger. There's usually an age gap of some sort with Capricorns. With Aquarians, what I have found is that they generally don't find love until a little bit later in their life. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of people in their 20s will experience that one big great love that is transformative. And either they settle down with that person or they don't. Aquarians, not so much. And then sometimes it's a career issue. They usually don't find their career until later. But more often not a love issue. Most Aquarians get married a little bit later. So bear that in mind. But this is going to be a process for you as well. That time is not working in your benefit. But it's also not working in his benefit with the issue of the death. All of this is to say, we're in 2019. How long are you going to dedicate to this guy if he's not going to commit to you? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you a working. Your birthday is coming up. You're an Aquarius. It's either at the end of this month or the beginning of February. If after your birthday he hasn't committed to you, my recommendation, move on. You can't dedicate the rest of 2019 to a guy, even if you guys have a connection. Maybe that is the connection, that you have fun, you enjoy your company, but that's it. Connections don't Mm -hmm. always mean marriage, and they don't always mean soulmate for the rest of your life. He could be your soulmate for 2018. Bear that in mind. So after I've given you this little piece of advice, here's what I would (laughs) recommend for you. We're going to work with a figure candle of him because 
fire is going to influence and work very well on him. Take an Adam uh, figure candle, a male figure candle, inscribe his name on it, baptize it in, in his name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I name you so-and-so. Then dress this with come to me and love me oil. Really oil it up. You want to get it nice and oily. Set this down on that type of heat-proof plate or dish. Ground up lovage, cubaberry, and, and rose petals. You can do this with a, a mortar and pestle, but lovage is a root a little bit tricky, so you might want to grind that up first with something electronic and then grind it all up with, your, with a mortar and pestle. Whatever way you want, grind it up. But as you're doing so, pray and call out to him. Speak to him as if you're having a conversation. He's right there and tell him how you feel. Tell him what you want from him. Be very open and honest with him. Once you've ground it up into a nice little dust, take a little bit of this and dust the candle. What you do is you put a little bit on your hand and blow it onto the candle as you speak to him. So-and-so, I want you to come to me and love me. And you blow that dust, covering that candle. Now that you, if you oiled it well... Some of that dust will stick to the candle. Take the rest of it and put it in a ring around the candle clockwise. Pray and light. As the candle is going, speak to him directly. Tell him your feelings. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you hope for. And then snuff it out. Do this over seven days. Let it all burn down. Once it's burnt down... Take the whatever's left, powder, dust, uh, residue wax, buried in your front yard. After the seven days are done, invite him somewhere. Reach out to him and invite him. This should be some type of outdoor activity. The laziest Sagittarius in the world, the most homebody couch potato Sagittarius, <laughs> will fall in love with someone during an outdoor activity. That's just how Sagittariuses are. There's a part of them, even the most, the most sedentary Sagittarius, there's a part of them that craves <laughs> adventure. And if he can see the horizon in you, if he can see the future in you, then he will commit. If he cannot, then he won't. And this is your chance to test it out. After those seven days, you invite him out to some type of activity. If it's still cold out, if it's still cold out, maybe go to ice skating or something, right, or a picnic or whatever. Whatever activity, you're going to do it. And in that moment, you will know. Be honest with him. Ask him, hey, I really like you. We've got something. Let's make something of this. And if he's not willing, if he's unreceptive, then the spell has failed and you've been given a clear sign to move on. If it succeeds and he's ready to commit, then the next time you two hook up or you go over to his place, steal his used underwear, tie it in a knot, and keep it under your bed, and that will finalize and complete the spell, tying him to you. That's my recommendation for your situation. Um, I think it's the, it's the working that will really turn these things around, but if it doesn't, then it also gives you the answer, and it's time for you to move on. Wow. Wow, that's really good. Um, yeah. Yes. What were the um the the things you said to grind up? I just got the well, loving. Okay, sweetheart, we have a chat room and there's a chat log for every a radio show. So all you have to mm-hmm. do is after the show is over go to the Lucky Mojo forum and there will be a log and all the ingredients and many of the comments will be there permanently for you, okay? Mm-hmm. But um it was lovage cubebs and rose petals. Yep. 
Yep. All right. Well, um, let's turn this over to Papa Newt, and I wish our client all the best. And um, Papa Newt, take mm-hmm. it away. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Susan Barnes at susanbarnesauthor.com in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Take it away, Miss Susan. Thank you, Papa Newt. It's called the Sweet Ear Spell. And it's to make someone only hear good things about you, somebody that you know. You take three pig's ears from the butcher. You could go to, uh, you know, your local Walmart, Costco, whatever. Sugar, cinnamon, pumpkin spice. You need one cookie pan. Uh, You need to cover the pan with aluminum foil. Uh, You write on the aluminum foil a petition. Um, something like John Matthews only hears good things about Katie Smith, and you write it nine times, or whatever your names are. Over that, you're going to write your name, Katie Smith, or whatever your name is. Um, You wash the pig ears. You lay on top of the pan. You add sugar, the pumpkin spice, a pinch of cinnamon, you can add a drop of little tiny drop of honey, but not too much because there's going to be a lot of grease anyway. You set the oven to 175 or 225. Bake the ears until they're dried out, about six to ten hours. And in the middle of baking, you're going to flip them over, you know, once in mid cooking. Uh, when cooked and cooled, you're going to pour the grease into a coffee pan. You wrap up the ears in the foil, bury in a graveyard, preferably at the grave of a nice person uh, at the heart level. My brother was a very nice person, never said a mean thing about anybody. Um, So somebody like that, a very sweet spoken person. You bring flowers, the 15 cents, thank the spirit, walk backward, drive a different way home so a trickster spirit doesn't follow you and that's very important so um that's my spell and i hope you guys like it wow now you said something that really kind of struck me put the grease in a coffee can what are you doing to do with the grease yeah (laughs) um (laughs) well with the grease my grandmother used to make soap with grease Mm -hmm. so uh, you know i do other things with it i do a lot of grease spells Wow. Flying ointment type things. <laughs> wow. Um, so use the grease, in other words. Yes, I never throw the grease away. I I use Very it until it builds up, and then I use it for a spell. Wow. I've never well, I've never used pig ears before. This is really interesting. Very cool. 
It's really, it's well, really. Pig, pigs are very intelligent beings, yeah. and I feel like uh, you know they're they're almost like humans, aren't they? In intelligence, mm-hmm. yeah. So they I would well, they're, yeah, they're use super that smart. and go ahead and just, of course, I'm not going to hurt an animal, but I will go buy something from a yeah, store, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and then so that's been pretty good. It's a it's a funky smell at first, but then the cinnamon will take over, <laughs> and it'll be better. And of course, you know, if you if you don't do it for that, you can just do the the ears for and give it to your dog when they're crispy. You know. Well, that's what I was going to say. I you 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 kind of you you going the way I'm going. I had a dog, Sophie. She uh, loved mm-hmm. pig's ears. I mean that that dog wanted one pig's <laughs> ear every night. I mean, if she didn't have a pig's ear every night, she'd look at <laughs> you with those big eyes and say, where's my pig's ear? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> it, it never it never occurred to me to um, bake my own pig's ears for them. I just bought them at the feed store. But what mm. you're saying uh-huh. puts something in my mind here because um, mm-hmm. there are uh, many spells that are used, uh, that use animals as intermediaries. And yeah. this would be an mm-hmm. interesting thing. I don't know if you want to give your dog too much sugar on an ear, but if you fed that to your dog mm-hmm. and went out walking with your dog and the other person had a dog, they might, you know, your dog and their dog, why don't they just get along together? You know what I mean? There's yeah. a, oh, there's good a, point. There's a little thing that might happen there if you worked it that yeah. way. system. You know, but I, this is an yeah. interesting spell. Now, as far as the grease, of course, what I immediately think of is certainly when you have somebody who you want to ha- hear only sweet things about you come on over, well, you can use that grease for cooking. No, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any food that oh, you can to yeah. them. Yeah, you know. I didn't think of that. You, yeah, because, uh, well, <laughs> we we put out a book a number of years ago called Hoodoo Food. And um, uh-huh. that book is filled with recipes, but it just says things like take butter, take grease, take oil. It doesn't say that you had to prepare that, but this is a way to prepare a cooking mm-hmm. oil or grease that can be used in any kind of spell for influencing somebody. Really good. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Thank you. I would say also, like I think this is a fantastic mix to cinnamon and sugar. Really great pumpkin spice. Interesting. I would have. I the only thing I would say is add cloves. Clothes mm-hmm. are, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Anytime you want someone to speak well of you, clothes. Clothes yes. are used for friendship, okay. for marriage, positive thoughts, and good words. Uh, it's a very classic, traditional way of making someone. In fact, there's uh, old ways of doing uh, stop gossip work, usually involved either things that stop people from saying so, bitter aloes, mm-hmm. uh, slippery elm, etc., or would kind of sweeten their tongue, and clothes were always used mm-hmm. in those type of workings. Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank people you. always say there's yeah. two way, there's two ways to get people to talk nice about you. One is to shut up the bad talkers, and the yep. other is to encourage yeah. the friendly talkers. So this is to encourage those who are friendly. And pumpkin pie spice is fabulous because it has in it cloves, allspice, nutmeg. It's got mm-hmm. all the good stuff in it. Um, mm-hmm. God, it, you know, it, it just sounds like a very interesting way to work. Um, it also reminds me a little bit of the old um, Jewish Rosh Hashanah pot roast, which is a pot roast, beef pot roast, uh, seasoned mm-hmm. with all of those same spices. And it's for luck oh. in the in the new year, the Jewish new year. And, um, mm. and people um, always comment that, and it, it, you also serve, cake made with honey and and at that time too. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea mm-hmm. that the new year begins with good speech. 
good mm-hmm. speech. Oh, nice. Thank you. Yeah. I've learned a lot yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've taught us a really interesting spell. And, yeah, um, it's a very interesting one. Yeah. I, you know, in the book um, Hoodoo Food, there was a spell that you wrote, a uh, catfish bait mm-hmm. spell. There's one of the most talked about spells. If, if you all don't have a copy of Hoodoo Feed, Food and want to know how Susan Barnes works, Go look up the catfish bait, stink bait spell in Hoodoo Food. That is truly a rural folkloric classic. I've been making potions a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, that's a good one. All righty. Thank you. Well, um, Alchemical Artisans Hour says these spices are also really good with lamb. That's totally true, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to turn this over to Papa Newt, and for real this time. And um, he's going to give us our outro, and then we're all going to come back and say goodbye in each and own individual way. Okay. Thank you, Miss Cat and Contraman Ali, and thank you, Susan Barnes of SusanBarnesAuthor.com in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Luminaria Star of Maine, bringing us the discussion topic on everyday hoodoo. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rupert Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Contraman at thecontraband.com in Mission Bay, Hope, California. I'm your announcer, Bob New, joining you from BobNew.com in Omaha, Nebraska. So, like you mojo, Hoodoo Rupert Tower can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. A special shout-out to Miss Athena um, of the Lucky Mojo Forum. Thank you, hon, for being here. Thank you. All right, everybody. Um, We have um, just a few minutes here to take to say, if you have not joined the Lucky Mojo Forum, I'd love you all to do so. There is so much going on there. Of course, most people who know the radio show know you sign up for the radio show at the forum. But if you're listening mm-hmm. in a podcast and wonder where do we get these clients from, they come from the <laughs> forum. Today we only had one client because, well, one of the people who signed up and we were all hoping would be on, she didn't call in. So if you want a free reading, go to the forum, sign up, join in, and you'll get a free reading on this show. All righty. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night, all. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Oh, no.